how do you define success? What's important in life? What is happiness? Success. Ambitions. Exploring ideas of perspectives and mindsets. Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purposeful Pursuit Podcast with myself, Adam Williams. I'm pleased to share with you that today's guest is probably one of the most grounded and genuine and authentic person that I know. And I'm grateful to be able to call him a friend. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having us. Really excited to be here. No, mate, thank you for coming on. So today's episode is going to be a special one in that we're, we're kind of going to openly talk about a subject that maybe some people shy away from. And that is kind of the, the struggles or challenges that arise in kind of everyday life and kind of what happens if you find yourself living without a purpose and then what the kind of mental health implications come as a result of that. And then hopefully we're going to discuss some of the kind of mindsets or practical actions that you can do to either, I don't know, avoid, mitigate or overcome these challenges that I guess life inevitably throws at us. Um, Ian, would you like to just share a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit of your story and then kind of come up to where you found yourself in uh, 2017? Yeah, so, well, I'm going to start in 2014, actually. So a uh, French and German graduate from the University of Surrey. Um, finished there, got a job at Amazon straight away, which was a huge company. So I was very excited at the time. Um, first job out of uni, fantastic. Um, everyone I was working with was the same age as me. Um, seemed like the dream job, really. Everyone was a languages graduate as well. So we all had similar interests. There were people there from all around the world. In terms of the job, there was good terms of progression as well. So, you know, things were looking rosy. Um, but as you said, the topic today isn't necessarily about enjoying my job. Um, <laughs> as you know, as time progressed, really, I kind of made some really good friends there, and it got to a point in about I'd say mid twenty sixteen where we'd all progressed. We got promoted, like some of us got promoted, um, and we'd kind of hit our ceilings in our jobs. Mm. Um, and a few of my good friends had left or we're in the process of leaving. Mm. So the real benefit of the job, of the team, was slowly being dismantled. Because the job itself, for anyone that used to work with listening to this will sympathise, was incredibly dull. <laughs> um, it was very simple. And the one thing that really kept people there was a team dynamic. And you got each other through. So obviously it was, it was tricky in parts. And when those people started to leave, that was when I started to look at myself and think, right, now's, now's going to be my opportunity to leave as well. The analogy we used to use at work was like leaving the life rafts on the Titanic, but surely, um, and everyone soon would be on their new paths to better roles, better jobs, and hopefully, you know, have a bit more purpose. Sure. But the more and more people that left, the, the more it played on my mind because I was still there. And it really dented my feelings of self-worth in terms of, I would look at loads of other people getting these incredible opportunities, loads of different companies. And I think, well, why, why have I not been able to find something? You know, I've been for internal, I've been for internal interviews. I've been turned down. I've been for 
roles outside of Amazon had been turned down. And it it just got to a point where I was thinking to myself, like, wow, is like is anyone actually gonna want me? Is this gonna be a point? Is this gonna be my life for the next 40, 45 years? And with those good people leaving, the one positive of that job left. And it was just me in a job that I didn't like, surrounded by people that mostly I particularly didn't get on with. And it was my, my mind was wandering to places that I particularly wasn't happy with. What, um, what do you mean by you that? Know, well, I, I've, I've always struggled with confidence in myself. So for example, you know, I was always a fairly big child. Um, you know, go to university. I wasn't particularly, you know, I wasn't particularly a, a Beanock or anything special. Um, and it was never a case of bigging myself up or thinking that, you know, having the confidence to say, yeah, I can do this or go ahead. So having the knocks to my confidence in terms of, right, nobody wants me, that was when my mind just went down a hole. And it was a case of, oh, nobody wants me now. Nobody's going to want me ever. Having to go to a place every day that you didn't feel valued at or you didn't see a future in to go and work alongside people that, I say, I'm going to say on the whole, because there were some people that genuinely kept me sane through this, like marginally sane through this period. But on the whole, you didn't necessarily want to be with. It just made me feel incredibly worthless. And especially seeing so many of my good friends go on to do amazing things i just thought wow i'm pointless yeah sure. and that was that was why i thought from time to time i am actually pointless like i come and do a job that i find pointless i have no purpose there is there is absolutely there is absolutely no point to my life oh, well, I, Ian, just you know say, like thank, thank you for for sharing that firstly and i, I think it's it's kind of good that you came to that that kind of like i guess realization um do you think a big part of it as well was kind of, you know, looking at and something we spoke about before as well, kind of looking at the people around you and kind of seeing them do stuff and then kind of comparing yourself to them? I definitely think it was. I think it was, I think, it, again, it's like I said at the top of the podcast, we were all very similar people. We were all languages graduates. We were all similar ages. So in terms of actual skill set, really, we were all equals. So. I'd look at other people and say, well, they've managed to move on. I'm on a par necessarily with those people. Why, like, what, what's so wrong or different about me? Hmm. I say it, it mainly was the comparisons. And I just, I just think that that's what caused it really. I mean, to it, it was definitely here, low point. This is, this, this is a point that I'll, I want to bring up. It's a bit shoehorned in, but in terms of what I was actually feeling at that point, like I honestly cannot put into words really how low actually feeling worthless mm. and pointless made me feel. Um, like I said, I've said to a few people, I, I tell people who are close to me really, you know, the amount I cried over those two months was insane. <laughs> you know, I'd, mm. I'd turn up to work, I'd sit at my desk, I'd cry. I'd get on the train to go home, I'd cry. There'd be no trigger to it. It would just happen. Like I, I checked earlier, actually over my life, I've been to 334 football matches. Now that might wow. seem a really, irre- that might seem a really irrelevant fact, but the only game I've ever left early was on my birthday. It was a South End game. So we were doing terribly anyway, but I left at half time. because I realized I just sat there 
didn't pay any attention to the game. And all I was thinking about was how rubbish my life was. Well, I didn't pay oh, wow. attention at all. So left. And that's kind of annoying because I pride myself on the fact I don't do that. And it led to that point, you know. I remember just going and sitting in parks for two hours just to get out of the house and just try and feel, you know, an escape of some sort. You know, go on walks, go on drives, just anything. Anything to try and escape the reality or feeling of, wow, this is currently my situation. Hmm. And at the moment, I feel hopeless about doing anything about it. Do you think think people around you notice that? Because I think what you're describing will probably resonate with with some people out there. You know, hopefully not, let's say, but I think everyone at some point in their life just kind of feels like, is is this all that life is? Is this all that I've got? Um, You know, it's good that you're able to speak out about it. Do you think, you know, and if people are going through this themselves, do you think people around them notice this? Do people around you notice what you were going through? I think, my family definitely did, but mm. that's only because they would see me day to day, morning and night, and they would see a change in attitude. I think in terms of my friends, I didn't necessarily tell anyone what I was going through. I might have told one, but in terms of how I was feeling cool, at the time, no, I never, ever dreamt of it. Is, well, what's um, kind of, just sorry, just to dive into that, is that because you didn't know how to, you, you didn't want to? What's the, what's the kind of reasons? I think it was a, I think it was a combination of not wanting to, because again, it was all the idea of perception, kind of a, you know, there is a stigma around mental, you know, well-being, and it was a case of at the time thinking, no, I, I just, you know, I still can't do it. But I just think, I think not knowing how, I think it's, you know, you always see these adverts saying just talk to people, um, if you're feeling low, but that's always the hardest part. Yeah. Is actually feeling like you can trust someone enough with information. I, I have that even now, you know, like still three years down the line, I find it tricky to tell people that I care about that things that are going maybe not so good with me, for yeah. example, because there's still a little part of me that thinks they'll think differently. Now, every time I have done, that's not been the case. Like they've been, they've been fantastic and helped. But it's just the initial worry of, oh, what are they going to think? Of it's, a, it's a big Actually, thing to do, isn't it? It's, you know, how, how do you walk up to someone and go, I don't have much of a purpose in life at the moment. I don't have, you know, I'm not, I'm not living this kind of meaningful full life. You know, it's not the kind of conversation I guess you can casually bring up if you're having a pint <laughs> or, or half time at the football game, is it? No, no, definitely not. And I think what I, what I actually did was I, I'd just been to Canada on holiday um, the beginning of the September so it's a little bit after the period I was saying about but again you know I was in the hotel swimming pool just burst into tears for no reason on the flight home I remember I forced myself to sleep because my head was so heavy that with just sadness and unhappiness that I thought I cannot be awake for eight hours on a plane so I forced myself to go to sleep and I came back and thought I, I, it wasn't a low, necessarily a low point of, right, I've got to change it. But I came back maybe a week after I had the only sick day of my professional career so far. It wasn't for, you know, flu, cough. It was because I was in bed, I'd woke up, and I gen- physically couldn't muster the strength to get out of bed. Oh, wow. I just couldn't, I couldn't get up to leave my bedroom, to go downstairs, to get on a train and go to work. 
and it was that day I actually wrote a I wrote an article just on WordPress, and it was just a it was just you know maybe a couple of pages long, and it all it said was, look, I I'm not feeling great at the moment. Now I'm not I, I'm going through some. You know, I'm not feeling particularly happy at the moment. Um, I just put it on Facebook as well because I thought well, that for, that for me was the best outlet. I didn't necessarily want to just go to individual people, yeah. but for me it was well. I'll let everyone know because you know if I've got friendship circles for many different for, for many different reasons really, and I didn't want to have to go around each individual one. And the amount of support that I actually got was astounding. Because I put in that article, I said, if you think any different of me after you've read this, then I don't want to be your friend. Then, then, like, case or yeah. I'm not going to be your friend. Or I don't particularly need you in my life at the moment. But the amount of people that said, why would anyone think any different of you? Or, you know, I've still got the messages now. I can scroll back to them. But just the amount of random, like, random people I'd not spoken to in years that just messaged and said, wow, I'm going through something similar. Mm. And who'd had them the social struggles themselves you know it, it it took one person maybe to be brave in myself to actually admit right i'm not feeling great for other people to say or oh i feel the same way you know yeah. and i think that's i think that's the worst part about feeling low is that you automatically think that everyone else's life is perfect especially through things like social media nowadays where yeah, all, in, all, all Instagram is is people going on holiday or the perfect abs or the perfect filter you know, the perfect filter oh man I hate filters <laughs> um, so much um, yeah so do I like the perfect filter um, and you just think you know everyone's life's not perfect I used to think about people that lived in London I thought people that lived in London which is out every night you know drinking partying but actually their lives are probably just, you know, same as mine. They'll come home, they'll cook a very boring meal, um, maybe watch some telly for a couple of hours and go to bed. Hmm. Everyone, everyone's life is the same. No one has, no one has a perfect life. There's always something going on. Yeah, and, and I love, I love how it, it was through you being vulnerable, through you sharing your vulnerability, and through you sharing your experience actually allowed other people to kind of open up about theirs as well. And I hope that's what can maybe come from, you know, spreading awareness through creating this, this, this episode as well. Um, yeah, I hope so too. Cause honestly, the, some of the people that replied, I thought were the coolest people that I'd ever met. Mm. And I thought their lives were amazing. And you know, the amount of them had said, Oh, you know, I've been to see counselors. I've been to, you know, all these therapy sessions. You think, wow, I never knew that about you. And, you know, it's never really, it doesn't come up in conversation. And it's mm. never something I'm going to ask outright. But to find that out was just astonishing. You think, wow, like, you know, there are Do you know, do you know what, I, I, you know, I think what you're saying now is, is one of the most truthful things. You know, I think everyone's got this perception that, you know, you've got this external look at someone's life on, on social media or they might have the right job. They might be, they have their kind of socially constructed life that we perceive mm. as being good but actually that doesn't necessarily dictate whether they're happy or whether they're successful no no exactly i love um i love how you took a mental health day i think that's definitely something that's that's coming around more now there's more exposure to that 
Yeah. You know, I, I remember looking back at school and I imagine throughout the, the, you know, your, your previous career, like taking a mental health day wasn't necessarily a thing, was it? You'd have to be physically ill before you take a, a day off work. Yeah. Yeah. It was always a case of, oh, if, you, if you're having a, you know, if you're having a blue day, it was always just, ah, oh, just get on with it. Yeah. Rather than, you know, could, could there be something behind it? And I think even in 2017, the concept of, you know, having a, as you say, as you call it, mental health day, it was, was crazy. Now, but nowadays, hopefully, it's becoming more sort of common. Not that, no, sorry, we were aware of that. Hopefully, it's not becoming more common because that's a bad thing. But in the sense that people are being allowed to look after yeah. themselves, or, or, or to even know that it is a thing. Um, and, yeah. just, and if you look at what you did when you took that mental health day, you, know, you you wrote down, you wrote that article. You know, that was almost your first step in, in, I guess, really kind of putting your thoughts firstly on paper and then, and then putting them out mm. there. How useful did you find it to put your thoughts on paper to, to actually really write, sit down and really write down exactly how it is that you were feeling? Oh, really freeing. I still find, I still find writing things down now as a bit of therapy mm. in terms of myself. And so look, cause you don't just hold it in, you've physically written it out and it's great. And I think that was the kind of the first few days after then was the time where I sort of decided to make a change that was right you know I've accepted it now you know I'm at a place I can either go one of two ways I can either get worse or do little things to make myself better that was the start really Taking well, so, so of... that kind of mental health day that you took yeah that was I'm writing your thoughts down and then putting yeah. it out there you know kind of making it, it public you know I, I guess not yeah. everyone needs to go kind of as public straight away as you did but you know just the concept of kind of sharing your thoughts and your feelings out there was that then the kind of pivotal moment towards this very good kind of recovery that you went through. And that's kind of what I guess we'll go on to, to speak on for the rest of it. It's kind of how you've then really put in some practical ways to, to overcome it. And then I guess we'll talk about then actually what you've achieved over the last couple of years, which is very admirable. <laughs> I think it was. And I think, I think the, the, the freeing thing for me was people knowing because mm. it was always, you know, it was always something to hide. It was always, it was always lurking in the shadows a little bit. And the fact that people knew, you know, I, I, so I took the day on the Wednesday. I remember going on the Thursday, just thinking, "Oh my God!" Like, every, like m- most people I work with, I, you know, be friends with on social media. And I think, yeah. "What? What on earth am I going to walk <laughs> back into?" And do you know what? I walked. I walked back into nothing, which was the best thing, because nobody made a fuss. Nobody was like, "Oh my God, you're going to do something drastic." There was mm. no dramas. It was just. You know, a, a few of my good friends came up, so put my arm, put their arm around my shoulder, and just said, "You're right. Let's go for you know, take tea or anything." That was that was the best response. Nothing in a weird way. It's like, like for example, it's like they knew, but they did nothing, which is which is exactly what you wanted. You wouldn't want anything to drastically change. You just wanted them to know. You just kind of wanted yeah, it out there. Definitely, and I think one of the one of the best days I had, sort of at the beginning of it all. Again, it was a day out in September. Three of my friends from uni. They just said, right, we're going out in London. We went out in London, went out for the day. All we did was we had a terrible brunch. We <laughs> ate loads of meat at lunch. I think we watched football in the afternoon, went to a German beer house, and that was it. But we didn't talk about anything like to do with what I was going through. Nothing. It was just a normal day. But they showed in doing that that they were there for me. That even though they knew what was going on, they were by my side. You know, I went back to my friends in Clapham. <laughs> 
this is becoming a familiar trend. But I went back to my friends in Clapham and just cried on his sofa, like for a good half hour. But again, there, he just carried on playing Xbox, which to some people would say, well, what are you doing? Like, he's clearly upset. But to me, the, the fact that he was there meant everything. So that that was the best reaction I could have got, really. Like I say, turning up at work and not having people mollycoddled. Because I hate being mollycoddled in general, mm. but not having people wrapping you in cotton wool. I think that actually makes you feel worse. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, to get things, when you want to get it out there, you know, you don't want people to just yeah. run over and make a big deal of it. You just kind of want to just, just express your thoughts, get it out there. And like you said, that feeling of just freeing yourself up with the kind of empowerment yeah. that you've, you've, you've kind of got it out there. You've, you've told someone about it, whether that's a Facebook post, whether that's a Facebook article, whether that's a conversation with one friends, your family, or all of your friends and family. You know, it's just about yeah. kind of putting it out there. So now that you've, you've got it out there, you know, your friends are giving you this, this really lovely day. What happened then? What was the, what's the kind of actions that you took? How did you overcome this feeling of, of self-worth, this um, kind of living without purpose? You know, you've, you told people about it. What's, what was the kind of next step in your kind of recovery? The way I, the way I looked at it, I had, there, was, there was two things in my life that I was unhappy about. There was personal and there was professional. Now, I'll start with professional, I think. You hear people say, if you don't like your job, just leave. Well, that's all well and good, but when you've got bills to pay life and, to do yeah and yeah and life to do it's not very sensible advice so i could in my head i just thought i'm not just going to walk out and leave i'm not just going to quit so i thought about what i was wanted to do struggled for ages then it, it came to me one day i was i was just driving home from the gym and thought of this idea thought right just draw a venn diagram that was all it was you know throw back to primary school maths I think it's maths we did then. <laughs> You're think, a teacher, you should definitely know this. <laughs> <laughs> I do languages, Adam. Um, uh, sure. <laughs> we don't do them in French and German. But I was thinking, what do I actually want from my career? I want to use my languages still, because I trained for years with them. I did not want to lose them. I enjoyed training people at Amazon, like new hires. I love doing that. And I also like working with children or like working with young people. I know some people go, oh, I couldn't do it. I don't mind it. I do volunteering at my sailing club. Um, I am fairly good with them. So, as you predicted, when I put it all together in this little Venn diagram, the one that the career that came out was teaching. And I thought, wow, yeah, that actually, you know, it was the first job or first career that I'd looked into that I was genuinely inspired by, really, to pursue. So, it wasn't going to happen overnight. I had to apply. It was like going to university first. And luckily, got two interviews. I got an interview at Warwick and then an interview at Bristol. They were the day after each other. So, I went to Warwick had the interview and they phoned me as I was driving to stay with my friend in Chepstow, missed the call and I thought, oh no, this is where I find out. And I remember sitting in this Italian restaurant and I was brave enough to take the voicemail and they just said, <laughs> they just said, we're going to offer you a place. And I just remember that feeling of, oh my God, I'm free. I've done it. Like in that little Italian restaurant, <laughs> I knew, I knew that the struggles of the past few months, so I found out in the March of 2018, so from from September till March, I'd still be in the same job. You know, still the same feelings of going to work, mm. not, not liking it, being bored. That March, bam, whatever happened in Bristol the next day, I had an out. And that was just the best feeling, incredible feeling. And then story goes, went to Bristol the next day, got an uh, had the interview, got an offer. And that was always going to be my first choice. So, yeah, at that point, I was just over the moon. I remember getting the email while I was working on the Friday 
And I just remember, I just got out my desk, just punched the air. And I was like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Um, and I just knew it was good. Yeah, it was just the best feeling. So professionally... Were, 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 were you able to leave straight away then? No. So I thought, I'll leave in July. I'll leave a week before my birthday so I can at least earn some more money still. But I can have a nice time off beforehand. So although I was still in the same job, I printed out a calendar from April to July. I wrote the number of days that I had left on it. I stuck it on my window and I crossed every single day off until the day I left. And crossing off that day on the final day was the best feeling. I can't imagine how like, satisfying that would be to uh, cross off that final day to kind of leave that chapter of your life behind. But I, uh, love, I love how that, that um, so, so we've kind of covered the kind of professional um, aspect of your mm. life. But I love how that started with you getting a Venn diagram. You know, having that idea when you, were, when you were driving of having a Venn diagram and actually writing down what it is that you kind of want from life. And instead of just asking that question straight away, he said, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? What, what do I like? You know, what skills have I already got? And then putting that in the Venn diagram and then kind of then using that as a, almost just like a process or a physical thing to look at and to try and work out actually, what do I want to do? You know, what skills yeah. have I got? What do I want to do? And how can I apply that? How can I use that to create a vocation that's going to help me pay the bills, but also give me a life that I'm actually going to enjoy, give me a life of purpose? I think there's something so powerful in, in writing something down, you know, to physically write your kind of your goals down or, or to physically write down what it is you want from like a, a job or your values. I think, you know, not, not writing it down on, on like a computer or on your phone, but physically writing something down with a pen and paper, the old school way, you know, taking it from inside your head and putting it into the kind of material external world. I think there's something really powerful in that. And it seems that kind of worked for you in terms of working out what it is you wanted to do uh, with your vocation. No, definitely. Cause I was, you know, my obviously the dream of becoming a professional footballer for Southend United and scoring the winning goal in the Essex Derby <laughs> sadly has probably sailed its course <laughs> so it was about finding not necessarily my dream job but about a job I would be good at mm. so it was looking at what do I enjoy doing because ultimately I've sat through multiple months of hell and I didn't want to do that again what what would I enjoy doing and what am I good at and I think those both go hand in hand and ultimately, we've turned to teaching. Amazing. And, and then to kind of reflect that back to the, the personal side of things then. Yeah, so professional side took, so if we say that took from probably September to, well, September to September. So that took a year to sort out. Personal side, well, I'd balloons to about 20 stone at this point. So I was, a, I was a big boy. It was around the time of writing that article, I signed up for a half marathon. I'd done a half marathon in 2012. I didn't, I didn't train for it because I was at uni and my training was eating biscuits. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know what? If I've done it before, I can do it again. But this time I'm going to do it better. And it was a start. It was a, it was a goal to work towards in something I can aim for. I booked one half marathon. By the end of that week, I booked two 10K runs, an obstacle course and another half marathon. So I had five events in total. And... They were small personal goals, A, to sort of lose a bit of weight. Well, I say a bit of weight, a lot of weight, mm. but also you know, to have a purpose in my personal life, really. You know, to, have a, to have a goal to aim for outside of a career because I've wandered for so long without having anything 
I thought, okay, I can do this. It just did you write this down. Did you, you know? I know you signed up for them. Did you write down on a bit of paper like I want to do this run or half marathon or like you know a full marathon? So I, at that point, I'd said I'm never going to do a full marathon. You know, half marathon for me was the limit. And I thought at the same time as doing these events, I'd raise money. So it would that that put pressure on myself to stick to the plan. So in terms of if I'm raising money, I have to go through with this because people are supporting me. You people created were, some accountability for you yeah, know, kind people, of raising it. People, for... people were backing me and I'd always had those dates fixed in my mind. So I put them in my calendar and said, right, these are dates I've got to work towards. Make a plan, work towards it. At the beginning, once or twice a week, it was just a, you know, it was a three kilometer run at an incredibly slow pace. Then you build up over time, over time, each week, get quicker, get faster, run longer. Those dates soon start approaching and you've got to work towards those goals. And for me, you know, you can imagine a 20 stone guy, poor, trying to, <laughs> trying, to lug, trying to lug my frame around the streets was hard work. And it was difficult, but I knew ultimately it was going to be a good thing. And for me, the most important part about running was that for half an hour a day or however long I was out for, I wouldn't think about being unhappy. You know, I'd, mm. I'd, I'd, try, I'd try and run along the seafront as much as possible. So I'd take in the city. I really love being by the seafront. It's, it's a real mind cleanser. Or, you know, if I'd run up a big hill and it would hurt, that would be what my mind was focusing on. Or if my mm. knees break in, that would be my focus. So that, for me, it was, it was an escape, again. But that escape turned into, you know, a hobby. And it turned into raising money. So I actually raised money for mind. And we did, I think we did £850 in the end. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it, you know, it's not earth-shattering money, but from, from an event that I'd signed up to to make myself feel better, I've hope, we've hopefully managed to raise money to help others feel better. So that was always the, the motivation behind it. And I remember doing the final half marathon of that set. It was a day it snowed. It was so cold. I did it with a friend of mine. We couldn't feel our fingers and anything. It was horrible. It was hideous. But, uh, well, I thought it was going to be the end of the process. As it turns out, it wasn't quite. Um, and then, what happens next in the process then? <laughs> well, I said earlier that I said I was never going to do a marathon in my <laughs> life. And it was just after that I applied for London Marathon. I, di I didn't necessarily want to raise money. because I just raised money previously. And I thought, if I'm getting through the ballot, great. But if not, I'm not too stressed. A few people got rejection letters through. I thought, um, it's the first time I've ever applied, so I'm definitely not going to get it. And I phoned up my mum one day and said, hey, mum, have you got any letters at home? Uh, looking for London Marathon letter. Hopefully, hopefully it's come through. She said, oh yeah, I've got one. I'll take a picture and send it to you. Provisional acceptance form for the London Marathon 2019. Oh, You're in. Well, I'll try not to use an expletive, but my reaction was, oh my God, I've actually got to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> So a process that a, a thing or a hobby really that had started, like I said, just as an escape, just for half an hour a day, had turned into me doing something I said I would never ever do in my life. I never ever thought I'd be able to do. Yeah, I mean it was, it is probably one of the most difficult things I've ever gone through. Like the training every weekend, having to run for three to yeah, four it's, hours. It's not, it's not an easy. It's not an easy thing to do, is it? No, especially while doing my teacher training as well just that sheer amount of planning and paperwork I had to do it yeah. it was just hard work it, just trying to fit everything in was difficult so it was 
I'm trying to explain it properly. I, again, when I was running, it wasn't only escape from reality, but it was an it was an outlet for any anger and sadness I had. So if I was running, if I was struggling, I just think back to other people who have hurt me or times where I was sad. And, and that I'd became been, your motivation. That was my motivation. I'd str- I could struggle some days to get out, and I just think of someone that screwed me over. And do you know what? I just think, do you know what? Sod them. You know, that pushed me on to run quicker and faster. And I remember times when I was going through London, sort of mile 19 or 20 of the marathon, just at a point of, I can't do this anymore. And the same feelings I had of anger and sadness, I'd just say, right, we're going to do this now. And it pushed me through. So something that was, uh, something that used to cripple me in the past in terms of the sad feelings or the unhappiness actually turned into my best motivation. That's so amazing, Ian. I, I think it's so good to see that, you know, your, your maybe work career, your, your personal life, all these things were kind of really getting you down to not living this much of a purposeful life. But you said, you know, I'm, may, make a Venn diagram. I'm going to go out. I'm going to change my mm. career. I'm going to find something that's mean, more meaningful for me. And actually, as well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to run a half marathon. And then a couple of months later or so, you say, no, <laughs> I'm going to run a full marathon. I think it's so amazing yeah. to see that you, you set yourself these goals. And through doing and through setting yourself these goals, it seemed that it's given you a purpose. How important do you think that setting goals and giving yourself a purpose important or connected to good mental health oh intrinsically linked i think that to take both point on their own i think goals having a having a goal to work for is critical i would always have you know i kept my running up and i would always have a 10k or a run that i was looking forward to obviously covid has put pay to that a bit this year and it's now trying to find other ways so instead of taking part in events my goals are to get quicker so i still have sporting goals um to work towards you know and they're not goals that are going to i'm going to hit anytime soon so they are constant mm. progression and i think finding a purpose as well i mean my personal situation has changed over the last nine months so my purpose now is well i value people a lot more that's my that's how i look at life and finding purpose now you know i think in myself i find true i feel value if i feel valued mm. so if someone if someone looks at me and go, yeah, Ian, he's a good guy. He's worth having around. That to me means the world. Like more than anything else, more than any satisfaction, more than any praise, just having, being a part of someone's life and being meaningful in someone's life mm. means the absolute world. I think that comes as well from the inside. You know, you have to, I guess, to, to give love to other people or, or to receive love from, from others. You have to, to kind of love yourself. And I think one of the aspects of, of kind of having this, this self-love and this kind of self-respect comes from having a purpose in life. Uh, and it's so great to see that through these avenues, you were able to create that purpose. How do you think your um, mindset has changed from who you were three years ago to who you are today and how that's going to contribute towards your kind of future success and happiness. Oh, poor. You know, complete chalk and cheese from where it was in even 2018. You know, when I moved to Bristol, I did not think that I would ever be able to be happy again. You know, the only emotions I'd felt for the last few months before then were sadness and unhappiness. And I thought, I'm going to move to Bristol. The positive outcome will be that I hopefully learn to be happy again. You know, enjoy the simple things in life. My outlook has completely changed. 
and it changed throughout that year in Bristol. Yeah, it's a place that I'll always hold so dear because it was a very important place to me. I had to go away, go somewhere completely new, you know, completely different lifestyle as well down there. Mm. It shaped me now to become a better person. Like my, as I was saying, my value in people or my care and love for people is what I hold over anything else. You know, I don't care about having bucket loads of money, Rolexes, you know, flash cars, people mean more to me than anything. And, you know, I, I, I'll admit I'm a man that is particularly emotive. Like if I care about someone, I'm going to tell them. Likewise, if I think someone's a prick, I'm going to tell them. But it's more... <laughs> I think that's as it should be. <laughs> but I think it's, it's more the positive side, like, because I, having felt in a place where, you know, no one was there for me, I would hate, absolutely hate, for someone that I loved or cared about to feel that way and for it to be a contributing factor if I didn't say anything. Hmm. I'd, rather say some, I'd rather say something, let that be known, rather than, you know, never say anything and people maybe feel a bit down or not wanted you know like even even with friends you know it's it doesn't necessarily need to be family or anyone mm. even just your friends just just, just kind of touching on like um you know, helping others and stuff like that and, and wanting to kind of offer service if someone's listening right now and they're kind of not living a kind of meaningful or as purposeful life as they could be what's the kind of um, advice you'd give to them you know I think you've got a very good example of the how useful it can be to to set goals to identify what's going well in your personal and professional life and kind of actually you know make the step make make a small decision to to kind of step forward what advice would yeah. you give someone listening well my first my first piece of advice would be don't be afraid to talk to people honestly if they're worth sticking around in your life then they'll still be there. But I think you have to you have to be brave. You do have to be brave because you might feel in a place of where you can't do anything. Like, for example, with jobs, you might feel trapped. But sometimes you just have to take a first step. That could be a cursory glance on Google with jobs or, you know, signing up to a sporting event. But you have to set small little goals that are achievable. For example, if, you know, I, I fully anti- – I took up running – I am never going to beat Mo Farah in a race. <laughs> so to put an example, when we did London Marathon together, me and Mo, he finished when I was just under halfway round. You know, oh, wow. I'm never, I'm, I'm, yeah, it was, it was so disheartening. But, but I, I'm never going to win races like that. I'm never going to be world class. But that's not necessarily my goal. You know, every, each individual person has their own plan and has their own goals. Mine is not to run a marathon in two hours, but a good goal for me would be running a marathon in under in under five hours. Yeah? So it's some, so setting, something achievable. It's setting goals that are achievable to you. There's no. It annoys me again. I'm just with running, but it annoys me when people like say, "Oh, I don't want to get into running because I'm going to be rubbish at it." I have so much respect for people that go out and run the slowest time ever mm. over like one kilometer like that I, I have more respect for people like that than people that can do you know 5k in 15 minutes because the people that are starting slow they're working towards their goals they're making that first step mm. you know 
they're, they're making a commitment to become they are. a better version of themselves. And I think that's the kind of, I think that's kind of can be linked to how to, to live a bit of a, a more of a successful or purposeful, more, a meaningful life is actually just taking the, use having the kind of self-awareness to say that I want to make a commitment to myself to become a better version of myself. And I think you're a really good example of that. You know, you've kind of built yourself consciously and proactively into a better person. I don't think it matters who you were in, in the past or what the people are doing around you or even who you are now. You know, it's, it's just about that commitment that you made to yourself in this kind of say present moment. And yeah. it sounds really cliche, but kind of become the CEO of your life. Empower yourself with the knowledge that you are only in control of your fortune actions and whatever you want yeah. to become in life, you can do. You know, set these goals. Like I said earlier, like write those goals down. There's something very powerful about actually writing something down on paper. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think it's important also to realise not to just stop at those goals. So... For example, I, I'm reading Tyson Fury's autobiography at the moment. You know, I don't agree with any of his political views or whatever. But his first, the first chapter, he's talking about he becoming world champions. He became heavyweight champion of the world against Klitschko. But he talks about how before that fight, he knew that if he'd won, it would be rubbish afterwards. Because he'd trained his entire life to become heavyweight champion of the world. He did it, and then it was, what next? And there was no what next. So obviously it's a drastic case for him, but he turned to drugs, alcohol, mm. eating everything under the sun. So once you hit that goal, it's to keep finding goals. And I, I guess it's but, to, sorry, just to jump out. I guess what I take from that is you need to make sure that whatever goals, whatever purpose you have, it needs to evolve as you do. They need to evolve as you do. It's kind of an iterate process where you need to keep reassessing them and, and kind of keep changing them to make sure that there's always something you're heading towards. There's always a direction in your life that you've got. And it seems obviously yeah. through, through him, you know, kind of achieving this one big outcome, this success. Actually, if you didn't have anything beyond that, then, you know, is that success or is success actually the journey, the direction that you're going on? No, exactly. And I think the, the evolving part is so key. So take even a year back for me, my goals were, okay, I want to I visit all 92 football league grounds. You know, I was trying to tick off as many grounds as possible, get around the country. You know, I was just starting my teaching career. You know, my goals were get through the year. Um, then at weekends, I'd try and tick off these grounds. But my life's changed now. So in in January, I met my incredible girlfriend, who I'm going to give a shout out to because she is fabulous and I love her loads. <laughs> um, my goals in life or my purpose in life has now changed. You know, I'm not on my own anymore. I've got other people that I want to do things for, other, things, other people that I want to do things with, you know. Mm. My, my goals have changed. And if I just kept to my goals of, oh, well, every Saturday I'm just going to take off a ground or, you know, and have the mindset of I'm on my own, that would be detrimental to where I am now. Mm. So my goals have changed, you know, and I'm throughout lockdown, it's been a bit tricky because having, having those goals have been put on hold. I'm probably not the only person that has struggled with lockdown and finding purpose. But again, you have to, you do have to evolve with the goals. So my goals throughout lockdown, like I said, I'd, I'd speak to my girlfriend every day. And at the beginning, she was doing all these amazing stuff, you know, keeping busy, and she'd go, what do you do? What did you do today? I'd go, uh, well, was, it, was, on was, this, was this during lockdown? Yeah, it's during lockdown. So I'd go, well, I've, I've won, 
I've won a game of FIFA. (laughs) It made me feel rubbish because I had nothing to tell her that I was working towards or a goal. Mm. So that, for me, in lockdown, it was, right, okay, what can I do, you know? I wanted to have at least one thing each day that I could tell her that I'd done. Mm. So even if it was finding a new recipe and cooking that or, you know, doing something good for school or having something to do, busy, and that feeling then went of, mm. oh, I'm not doing anything at the moment. I'm feeling a bit down. You know, it, it got better. I think as well, you start to build up a, a mindset of gratitude for what you do have then. When you start to sort of proactively or consciously be aware of what you are achieving or what you have achieved, you start to become more grateful for that. And as soon as you start to become more grateful, your life just starts to to feel more abundant. You know, you feel a lot more happier. You know, your your purpose feels a little bit more alive. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Ian, just, just to kind of like close off then, you know, if, if there's anyone listening and what, what's the kind of best advice that, that you've been given or that you would like to share yourself? Well, I think my, the best advice I honestly could give is something that I mentioned towards the beginning. And it is, honestly, do not compare yourself to other people because you do not know what happens behind closed doors. I'll give you an insight into my life. I live at home still, which isn't, which isn't a cool thing to do in modern society. I have a car that was built in 2008. Um, <laughs> you know, from the outside looking in, is that a very cool lifestyle? No. But... I know on the inside that I have plans to move out within the next six months to a year. And those plans are pretty well underway. Mm. What I'm not spending on a car, I can spend on doing nice things with my girlfriend or putting plans in place so that post lockdown, we can go and do some incredible things. So those are the things that matter to me. It's all about what matters to you. Don't be scared of doing things that make you happy because you think other people might see it badly. One example, going to the cinema on your own. God, what a social no-no going to the <laughs> cinema on your own is. Like, it's, but if you, if you want to go and watch a film, if, you, if, you, if you're a big fan of the Avengers, just go. Like, the only person that loses out in that scenario is yourself. So yeah, no, no, I would no, say it's, with you on that, Ian. It, it, it's just... It's keep, it's be yourself, you know, be true to yourself, look after yourself. Whatever, whatever anyone else does, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm not a very spiritual religious person, but I believe that everyone in life has a plan. And that plan gets shown at some point or other. And everyone will end up where they're meant to be. So just focus on you, make sure that you're okay, and then everything will be all right. Ian, that's that's absolutely lovely. Ian, thank you very much again for kind of being or sharing your story and kind of kind of opening yourself up and being vulnerable. And I think that you know your story started from when you kind of shared your article on Facebook or you know just kind of mm. talked about your your mental health situation. And I think if anyone's listening yeah. and, and and that's the one thing they take away from it that maybe sometimes the first step is to to open up about it or talk about it or at least just mm. kind of make that that decision or that commitment to, to kind of yeah. start to build yourself up, then that's I what think I that, people can take from this. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's like we said, if one person listens to this and they, you know, maybe not necessarily even they talk to people straight away, but if they just think, oh, there's someone out there that's been there and been through the same things that I have, 
then we've done a good job here today. If just one person listening takes that away, fantastic. Absolutely. Ian, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that. It's been an absolute pleasure. No worries. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for having us on. I mean, I don't know what your schedule's like over the next few weeks, but if, if there is anyone out there genuinely listening and has got questions or worries that they'd want to send us anonymously and we could talk about on another podcast maybe just give some advice or you know if there is anyone out there that we can help yeah if there is someone I'd... listening and they want to get in touch with you what's the best way they can get in touch oh well yeah so i best i think the best way is on instagram so it's charnock i20 but yeah like i said if anyone you know if anyone takes inspiration from today or just just wants someone non-judgmental to talk to i'm there lovely stuff ian it's been an absolute pleasure thank you no worries. Thank you, Adam. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode with Ian. I think he's such an authentic character that really shared or really sort of opened himself up to be vulnerable within that episode. Um, if you did enjoy the episode, then please head over to my Instagram page at Purposeful Pursuit Podcast for extracts on the episodes and just to kind of the behind the scenes into my journey of creating this podcast and uh, again just to say thank you for listening to another episode of the purposeful pursuit podcast with myself adam williams the purposeful pursuit podcast